This is Seymour Library's podcast, where we need to talk about books. Welcome back to Seymour Library's podcast, where we share with you our current reads, what we want to read, news about books, and what's happening at the library. Our show hosts for today in order of appearance are Jackie, Lee, and Mary. Once again, this recording comes from a virtual meeting. And now on to the show. So I actually, I picked up, um, I was actually interested in this book before it even hit the shelves. Um, and I had made a note like, oh, this is a great book club book. Um, Florence Adler Swims Forever. And it's a debut book by Rachel Beanland. And it has a fantastic cover. I know we're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but it just looks like <laughs> so summery that I was like, this this will be perfect. Um, it has like a bunch of swimmers and kind of like a 1930s style swim costumes. Um, the book is set in 1934 Atlantic City. And I, I so I like skimmed what the book was about. Um and I knew that uh, World War, the the approaching of World War II was in the background. And um, so I knew there'd be serious elements, but I did not realize that there was going to be a tragedy within like the very first um, couple chapters of the book. Oh, wow. And uh, this, this isn't really a spoiler because you learn it pretty quickly, but the main character, Florence, who uh, had been training to swim the English Channel, dies. Um, she is at the beach with her family, and um, and she, I like, they don't really know what happened, if she got pulled by an undertow or she had a cramp, but the, the uh, lifeguards bring her in, and she, she, she's dead. And um, the book then goes from dealing with her death and all the different family members and um, people connected to Florence. And so I did not know, like my grandma actually told me, she's like, Jackie, this book is not happy. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, look at the cover. She's like, the main character has died. And I'm like, why would you tell me that? She's like, it happened in the first chapter. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. So, uh, but the book, the book was amazing though. It's so well written. And typically I don't like multiple perspectives. There's, I think, seven different perspectives in this okay. book, um, which can be, it's hard to make seven different voices strong enough to mm-hmm. be like their own person. Um, but this, this author did that. Like each voice was just so defined. Um, there was a seven-year-old girl named Gussie, um, Florence's mother, Esther, her father, Joseph, um, her sister, Fanny, um, I'm forgetting Isaac, Fanny's husband, um, Anna, who is kind of another layer to this story. Um, Anna is Florence's age. I think they're like 19, 1920. And she had come over from Germany um, or from Europe and had started to stay with the family. Joseph, the father of Florence and Fanny, kind of advocated and really pushed to get her to come over on a student visa because her parents um, 
had been her father had been let go and Germany was just an upheaval and um the prosecution of Jews had started and everybody in this book um the families are Jewish so you, you it's just a very interesting perspective to see the start of World War II um and how it impacted people you know across the sea or across the sea across the ocean yeah. um but so you have that kind of layer and you don't know why Joseph advocated so much for Anna and why he was kind of somehow connected to Anna's mother um, enough that he, he took this on. Um, so she's been living there and, uh, you know, is there the day that Florence dies? And um, and then there's Stuart, who kind of was always sweet on Florence and uh, she never really... She, he he helps train her. He was training her to uh, swim the English Channel um, and would take her out on his boat. And he was a lifeguard the day that uh, the event happened. Um, but so you kind of have his perspective as well. Um, and he's he's an I guess what they an outsider um, to the Jewish community. So he is not Jewish. So he adds just a whole different perspective to the story. Um, but one of the big things is that Fanny, Florence's sister, is pregnant and she had, um, she had had a baby, not like the year before, but like a couple of years before maybe, uh, that was born early and didn't make it. So they had put her on bed rest for this pregnancy and the mother decides that they will not tell Fanny that Florence had died. So they spend the whole summer lying the whole family and kind of how this line impacts the family yeah. um just telling fanny you know like florence is training and florence is um you know she can't make it she's running errands and she's getting ready to go on the swim you know to swim the wow. english channel and how that impacts each family member differently um and it just it was so well written and florence uh and then it goes back and forth in time as well and Florence was just such a powerhouse as a character. Like you could just feel her throughout the whole book. And uh, she was just a go-getter. She decided that she would swim the English Channel and she loved swimming and she would just, she just did it. She just set out to, um, and, and people said throughout the book, like she just, you wanted to be around her. And she was just an interesting person and very charismatic. And you just got that sense from everybody, everybody's perspective. Um, so it kind of just goes through the story of the family mourning and then having to deal with this lie and then the whole uh, story of Anna and her. She's trying to, um, Joseph is trying to help her bring her parents over um, with World War II in the background. And it's, it's just a very interesting story. Um, well written. And... What I love is that I read the back of the book, the author, this is actually a family story. Um, it's a based on a true story. Her, I forget if it was her great aunt or great, great aunt Florence had drowned and Florence's sister was in the hospital and uh, her great grandmother, her great, great grandmother made the decision to not tell her right away. Um, until she had the baby. So this is a family story. 
wow. um, that she wow. added to and, you know, added characters to and developed. Um, but it was just kind of like her passion project. And you can really tell while reading this book, like, it's just, it's a fantastic read. Um, I have to say that in my family book club, this is at the top. And we've read, I don't know, like, like 12, 14, somewhere in their books. And this was very good. Wow. <laughs> Especially for a debut. Like, it was just so well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recommend Florence Adler's Sims Forever, <laughs> even though it starts on a sad note. <laughs> Sounds like a really interesting book. Yeah. It is. I think it'd be a great book club book, too, because there's just so much to discuss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Taking notes for when my book club gets back on. <laughs> I'm like, just taking notes for myself to read. (laughs) (laughs) I read um, a mystery, I know that's very shocking, um, called Wild Chamber by Christopher Fowler. And this is part of a series called the Bryant and May series. So there are are actually uh, quite a few books, I, I don't know, somewhere around... 15 to 20 books in this series, but it's kind of like an under the radar um, uh, pick. And um, it's a British series that follows these um, two older gentlemen who are detectives in the peculiar crimes unit of the London Metropolitan Police. So they take any kind of, not straight ahead cases, you know, maybe they don't, you know, this is not like just a domestic case or whatever. Something odd is thrown in there, or maybe there isn't a clear reason why something happened. So then the peculiar crimes unit comes in and uh, takes a look at it. So Bryant and May are both like in their 80s. And they are quirky gentlemen. The one guy, Bryant, the slightly older of the two, I think. They're both they're both old guys. Um, uh, is recovering from some type of illness where, it, you know, he it isn't like he has memory loss, but he hallucinates that he's talking to various historical figures that have lived in London. And they help him with the crimes. So it's this very quirky series. So not only are the crimes, they in this book in particular, um, it starts off telling the story of a small family. The man is a financial business guy. The woman is, um, she also does something with finance, but another company their marriage is strained. They have one son who holds them kind of together. And you get like, and then you get the story of the nanny and the son and their relationship and everything. Well, early on in the story, they, they're in London, they're walking, they're trying to get back home. They're, they have to take a detour because of a traffic incident. And while they're in there, the little boy gets a piece of glass in his eye has to go to the hospital and somehow it gets into his blood and he ends up passing away. So this happens like right in the beginning of the story. And then it kind of goes off on how this family kind of disintegrates. The, the father later loses his job and 
loses all of his money, they get divorced, and then later on, the wife moves out, she's in an English park, and she ends up murdered. So she's in this park that's gated for residents only, and everyone has to have a key. No, There are no keys missing. There was a gardener in there, but didn't see who did it. All of these things. So it was it's almost like a locked room mystery, except it's a locked garden mystery. So it kind of goes on from there, except other people end up dying in parks. They all happen to be wearing red. What's the connection? So they kind of go into this thing. But then it was also kind of interesting in the fact that the author went through the history of parks in London. You know, going back hundreds of years and everything and kind of putting in these historical details, kind of a lot of historical details. So, you know, if you're really into that, this is, you know, this is a great series. There's also other books in the series that deal with rivers in London and like the underground system in London and all these other things. But what was interesting about, I mean, the mystery itself was interesting because it went off on all of these different paths and, you know, how are these people related? But then uh, also all of the characters were extremely quirky. You know, the detectives would go talk to psychics and talk to rare book dealers and all of these things, trying to come up with clues and different um ways of somehow learning about the parks to somehow solve the murder. So it was, um, you know, an interesting take on the murder mystery, something kind of off the wall and a little bit more quirky than the average police procedural that I've been reading at least. <laughs> so it was something different, definitely. You know, if you're looking for something with quirky characters, with historical background, and, you know, it's a good series to take a look at. So, yeah, that was Wild Chamber by Christopher Feller. Nice. Kind of like a historical fiction mystery. Yeah, yeah it really was. Because, yeah, they kind of went into the background and, you know, the different uh, social classes, you know, who could use what park and what they signified and all of those things what they were used for even. It's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when I hear about things that I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know, know that I was interested in until I like, yeah. hear about them. maybe <laughs> right. I do want to know the history about those parks and why they were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just one of those things you don't really think about. And then you're like, Hmm, maybe I am. Interested and then you in have, you have fun facts at dinner party yeah. and you can be like, Hey, <laughs> did you know? I just right. like having random facts. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah. That's random information. <laughs> I love those things too. <laughs> those details are great. Yeah. I yeah. read sort of the opposite. Well, I don't know. I feel like at the same time, some of the stuff that's happening in all of these books are kind of dark, but I probably read the darkest one. <laughs> because <laughs> I I'm kind of getting into spooky season with the coming of the fall. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's coming up. So I decided to go with one that I've actually been on hold for for a couple of months now and it's the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Really long oh, title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey Mary, I just started reading that and I'm like <laughs> a quarter of the way through the book and yeah. have not 
I'm not yeah. going to spoil. I mean, I don't, yeah, 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 I don't know yeah. that it's one you can spoil. Cause no, not, I don't think so. But still, it's, it's pretty good. So I won't throw the, the really good stuff at you. But it's by <laughs> uh, Grady Hendrix, who also wrote My Best Friend's Exorcism, which mm-hmm. I read. I don't remember if it was earlier this year or last year, because this year's kind of like a time warp for me. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember when it was, but I did read uh, the other book. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one essentially... <clears throat> is set in a southern suburban town and uh i don't i don't know how to describe them other than i love that it it begins with a book club and <laughs> the book club was to read like great american literature and our main <laughs> character patricia she gets assigned the leadership duty but she has not read the book i think i think she might have tried you might remember this lee she might have tried to read yeah. it and just she she put forth an effort, but yeah, she was she too busy. And, you know, you know how those things go. Like, oh, I should really read this. And I, I will. Remember, I'm not going to do this, this, and this. What was the title of it? it was it was it this promised land or something? <laughs> you know? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so it was hilarious. So suddenly she has to go, yeah. and there's like punishment. You know, like yeah. if, if you did not read the book that you're leading, you are in trouble. With the head mm-hmm. of the, the book group. And so she gets discovered that she did not read the book. Yeah. And the leader of the whole group or organization is like, okay, who has read the book that would like to lead it? And like, nobody. <laughs> yeah. Nobody read funny. the book. Like, <laughs> so no one else did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just thought like that's such a, a book club thing. It just made me laugh yeah. hysterically. And then from there, I worry about that. Yeah. I worry about that with my book club because sometimes uh-huh. you just don't have the time, or you know, well, you didn't enjoy the first. Read. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you like, don't have passion for it. <laughs> yeah. Now the good thing is, I don't think she was going to be kicked out, um, but they do kind of have like this disillusion of the, <laughs> of the book club as it is. But then a a secondary book club starts to form. Where they read gritty true crime novels, well, books, uh, and mm-hmm. are just enjoying the crime. Uh, there's even like discussion of, of Anne Rule, who uh, wrote the book on Ted Bundy because she actually knew Ted Bundy, and there's the whole discussion of that whole thing and how could you know somebody that's a killer? Meanwhile, in the background, this guy moves into town. And it's kind of interesting because one of their neighbors who was older, they hadn't seen or heard from in a while. And uh, they just assume, you know, or or he tells them that she passed away. I can't remember if they found her, but anyway, she's gone. So this guy moves into town, claims to be, I think, her nephew, like great nephew, takes over the house. And I don't know, kind of starts smoozing his way into the neighborhood. And... Meanwhile, <laughs> there is the mother-in-law of Patricia, and when she sees him, she kind of freaks out. <laughs> and now, meanwhile, she has dementia, so nobody kind of takes her seriously, but mm, he's a suspicious character in the mother-in-law's eyes. So if you're catching the clues, you're kind of like, okay, the mother-in-law thinks something's going on, and I get that she's wacky. But then spooky stuff starts happening, and you gotta wonder what's going on. Um, I don't know is how much. Is he a vampire? Maybe. 
Maybe he's a vampire. <laughs> um, it goes into this whole other like mystery part where um, I don't know if this is because it's a southern town or or whatever, but there is the rich part of town where Patricia is obviously from, and then there's the poorer side of town, which is populated more by people of color. So a lot of the black community lives there, and there has been uh, children that have been kind of off of their normal thing and then many of them who have been committing suicide and these are young kids so it's very suspicious as to why that's happening and patricia kind of gets involved with researching why that's happening and what's going on notices that it coincides with when new neighbor guy moved into town and i don't know there's a whole investigation about that and about him and of course there's the background of them reading the true crimes and serial killers and what to look for I, I don't know i love it i also love that it's set in the uh the 1990s so uh, nope. yeah so there are modern conveniences that they don't have which kind of mm-hmm. just helps the story because if if they were there people would be doing things a little differently but they don't have that option so they have to research the old-fashioned way and they have to mm-hmm. you know communicate in certain ways um but also because she is in that upscale neighborhood. There's a lot more judgment and, you know, no, Patricia, you shouldn't be doing this and that and the other thing. You're just causing trouble and making waves and you have to be a good housewife. Um, and she is like a stay-at-home mom, which kind of drives her crazy. I think she was going to nursing school before she married her husband. That's the doctor. Yeah, so she's really given up a lot of herself to do this. And so there's a lot of people kind of not taking her thoughts and beliefs about what's going on seriously because she's just a discontent housewife. And I don't know. It was, there's a lot of like whole things around it, but I don't know. I found the guy kind of creepy. Anyone that can immediately start like asking for money and wanting this and that and the other thing is suspicious to me. Yeah. 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 But I can't tell you whether or not he's a vampire. I mean, you'd have to read it. <laughs> or is he I a guess. serial killer? I don't know. Um, yeah. I do know, but I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ruin the book for Lee. Um, and any of our, our listeners out there. But it, it was good. Um, Grady Hendrix has this really unique kind of style of writing where there's a lot of creepy, creepy elements. But then there's uh-huh. a lot of kind of humorous elements. So it's it's yeah. very unique. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love that because you can be scared, but then laugh and be able to sleep later. <laughs> right. There were definitely, yeah, there were definitely some scenes I don't want to bring up because it, it, it was gross. Like, it creeped me out. <laughs> his, uh, his first book was called Horror Store, and it was um, in, it looks like an Ikea catalog. Yeah, and I take- forgot about that. Like an IKEA clone store, and it's it was pretty funny. Yeah, I forgot same thing. About I mean, like these really like I think that one may have had zombies in it, or so, or it was haunted, or something like that. I mean, and it was scary. I mean, but at the same time, there was that whole element of IKEA, and you know, each chapter started with a you know a manual of how how to put together a chair or something like that. You know, so. 
I need that for <laughs> when I'm reading horror because my yeah. imagination will just take off and then I will never sleep again. <laughs> yeah. Right. I feel like uh, a lot of Hex was a terrifying one for yeah. me that when we all just, read Hex. Yeah. That was that just that scary. just stuck with me <laughs> uh-huh. for a while. <laughs> that one was more straight, full on creepy. But yeah. Yeah, I don't... There's a scene very early on in this book that I kind of want to talk about, but I also don't know if I want to talk about. Um, so, I don't know, Lee, you could tell me if you got into it, but it, it's the scene where Patricia... I, I think she hears something or she's going to take out the trash. Oh, and yes. The I read out there. Yeah, yeah, it is... That is pretty. Yeah. Cool. It, it's a scene <laughs> that involves yeah. some craziness. That's all I'm gonna say. And it, it's again, there's like kind of a grossness to it, but there's also humor that happens. So I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you need to know. Somebody's taking out the trash, and it's a horror story. That's uh-huh. enough. That. Yeah. yeah, it is good. I. It is pretty funny though the way the the ladies react. <laughs> <laughs> to her, her advice <laughs> yeah there was so much that I it was I think it would spin from the um the scary or even grossness to like when she's commun- trying to communicate with other people that would be where the humor comes in you know where it's yeah. like yeah. oh no don't blah 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 and it's like uh-huh. Uh-huh. No. right what is the etiquette in a, in a situation <laughs> where um you know something kind of creepy happens and then you have to kind of move on from there you know yeah. but they're all very much like don't bring up the unpleasantness let's just have some iced tea you know? yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's like uh-huh crazy it's crazy yeah. um it's... yeah but i definitely enjoy it i like yeah i like that you said it, it takes place in the 1990s mm-hmm. um how you don't have certain technology um, it made me think of my book a little bit. Um, obviously, 1934, a lot less technology, but just allowing certain things to happen. Like in today's day and age, there's no way that the sister in my book would not have found out that her her sister had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but because there was, you know, there were no phones and she didn't have access to a TV. I don't even know. If, TVs might have been roughly on the horizon. Um, everybody had a radio in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it was just, it was easier for them to keep it a secret. Um, that could never happen now. It just, right. or if it did, it would be a lot more challenging. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause I mean, back then, and if she was on bed rest, they could have just been like, you know, we're not going to give you the paper because there might be disturbing yeah. news. We want to keep you calm. <laughs> And really, even the and that's what they did. They brought the doctors in and the nurses, and they said, you know, she doesn't, you know, no radio for Fanny, and you know, monitor what. Yeah, so there was, and she was a woman, which had its own degree (laughs) of, you know, not a lot of rights. (laughs) (laughs) Those both sound like excellent books. I have to read that one with. Vampire <laughs> mystery, mm-hmm. Southern ladies sounds awesome. I I think it's good because it takes a a unique look at the whole genre. So I yeah I like mm-hmm. it. 
Plus, I want to get a couple of spooky books in during this time. This is when I start to read a couple of spooky books. I mean, I don't mind them sprinkled throughout the year, but in the fall, I like to have more, like, spooky books. <laughs> so, I loved it. Sounds good. Yeah. Yay. Well, I guess until next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That wraps it up for today. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. We hope you heard something that you are interested in reading. Stay tuned to the library social media and our website for more great content, including book recommendations. And stay tuned for our next episode, because we still need to talk about books. Mm-hmm.